Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, I have to be completely heart-centered this morning. You always hear me talking about my heart-centered leadership quality poster that has now had over 25,000 downloads since January. Virtual high fives all around here. But I want to talk about authenticity and transparency because I'm sitting on Lake Erie right now in my boat doing a podcast interview. And I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to virtually high five myself because I'm always saying to you that if you have a dream, chase it because dreams are worth chasing and they're hard and there's peaks and there's valleys. And my life by design is happening this week on the lake. And, and I just, I had to share that with you because I think it's important to be authentic and transparent. And I don't say that for you to think, oh, Deb, I wish I was there joining you. I'm encouraging you to take one step out of that comfort zone this week. And I have the perfect guest today to talk to you about that. Her name is Stephanie Shapiro. And I just don't even know where to start. She's amazing. She's the executive vice president at Phase 3 Associates. She is my neighbor in Toronto, Ontario. But she has such a rich experience, a decade of experience working for the federal government as a senior human resources advisor within Transport Canada. And she has specialized in both recruitment and retention before transitioning over to phase three. So Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. I really appreciate it. Well, I've got the birds in the background and the wind in my hair. I think this is going to, I think I'm going to, this is going to be in the top five of the coolest podcast interviews thus far. I'm, I'm super jealous. I feel like I'm, I'm having total FOMO right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I'm going to dig right in because let's let our listeners know. Let me let me lay a little bit of uh, context and foundation. Not only are you the executive vice president at phase three associates, you are also the chief operating officer of Together We Stand Foundation. So I think what I would love to do for my first question is Let's do this twofold because you really hold two distinct executive roles. Could you give us a little Coles Notes version of why you left the federal government position to transition to where you are and tell us why you got involved with the nonprofit? So I worked at Transport Canada. I uh, was right out of school. I did a, actually, I I will say that um, it was a completely different role than I ever anticipated having. I went to school and uh, did an undergraduate in um, child and youth studies, uh, child psychology, thinking that I was going to go in and become a teacher. Um, I really wanted to be a high school, uh, uh, an elementary school principal. And ultimately, after doing a a whole number of hours in the classroom and volunteering, I realized I I don't think I'm meant to be around children all that much. 
And so uh, I, I went diving into the world of business instead. So I, I started to focus my attention on, on the human resources aspect. I loved the idea of work, the psychology of working with people. Um, and so I started as a co-op student in Transport Canada. And it was an, a tremendous opportunity because they spent so much time investing in me as an individual. And I think that that's really where I started to learn what a good leader should look like. Um, they kept giving me opportunity after opportunity. They um, allowed me to shadow anybody that I asked to shadow. They pushed me out of my comfort zone. And ultimately, I was able to rise up the uh, rungs there relatively quickly because they kept giving me opportunity. Um, I had a tremendous boss who was compassionate and empathetic and um you know, serious when she needed to be, but fun when she needed to be, and just really created a safe environment that allowed those of us working under her to um, explore ourselves and get to know our own personal strengths. Ultimately, though, because it is the government and because it is a very bureaucratic environment, my growth opportunity became limited. I felt that I kind of tapped out um, all of the areas that I could um, sort of grow in without having to necessarily go back to school or do years and years of training. And um, I felt that it was time for me to sort of explore a different, um, a different stage in my life. And full tr- transparency, um, I had been working ever since I'd had my firstborn. So I actually took a year and a half off before I decided what my next adventure was going to be. Um, and I spent a year and a half off with my daughter, who was about three at the time. And, you know, I had never done pickup and drop off for school. And I wasn't able to do um, field trips for her before. And I realized that what I really wanted um, when I got back into the workforce was to work for an organization that would really make sure that they were pushing me as an individual, but also understand that I have a family as well. And that, you know, my family is what drives me and my family is at the heart of everything that I do. And ultimately, if they give me an hour here or there to focus on my kids and focus on my husband, it's going to make me a better employee within their group. It's like a culmination of both your worlds that have come together so beautifully. It, it, it completely has because uh, in, in the uh, nature of full transparency, um, when I did go over to phase three, it's because it was my father running the organization. My father, um, he's uh, certainly somebody I look up to. He's one of my great heroes in life and has had, I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial. I think it's, I think it's for um, a scotch and it, it, it has the most interesting man in the world in it. And he may be one of the most interesting men in the world with everything that he's done. He has climbed Mount Everest. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He is um, I think the individual, actually don't let him listen to this because it's really going to go to his head, but he he is the individual that I have learned my, my insatiable need to um, educate myself constantly and to never say no to experiences. That's him. You know, he, he's always evolving. And I think I've learned that through osmosis just by spending my entire life with him. So uh, he finished, he uh, retired from his his past career, uh, 40 years in the lumber industry and decided that it was time for him to move on. And so he started phase three associates where he wanted to work on some of his passion projects. And funny enough, none of his passion projects had anything to do with the other. So, uh, he started a unit that allowed him to focus on investments 
He started a unit that allowed him to focus on philanthropy, and he started a unit that allowed him to focus on politics and said, come run this with me. We don't know what it's going to be. It could be anything. Um, let's make it up as we go along. And um, we've had a lot of fun doing that. And now we were, we're up to about 11 staff, um, all of whom have something to do with uh, the Together We Stand Foundation, which is the organization that was founded by both my mom and my dad. And we just have a tremendous team of really eclectic and interesting individuals who have all faced tremendous adversity in their lives. And I think that's what's so important is that when we hire individuals for phase three, we look for individuals who have not necessarily had it easy, who understand that life is so much more complex and that the only way to be successful is to keep driving forward. If you can't get through the door, find the back window. And if you can't get into the back window, you know, find your way through the, the fence in the backyard. You know, there's so there's there's always a way to get something accomplished. And everybody on our team understands that. And it's such a pleasure to work with such open-minded individuals. Well, there's so many nuggets that you've just dropped there. And I align with you. My dad was an entrepreneur. If you've listened to the show, I lost him uh, second year of university. I was 21. But one of the last things he said to me before he passed away was, never say no and never say that you don't know. We all have a working knowledge, even if it's minuscule. We all know a little bit about something and we know a lot about many things. But like you said, where there's a will, there's a way. You can't go through the door. And it's just such a foundation of learning. So it's very, very heartfelt to hear from you how you view your dad and that you're working with your dad and what a lovely transition. And then to hear the intersection and connectivity for the nonprofit. And I think for all of the female leaders listening, you know, I think you're a great example. You can be a chief operating officer of a nonprofit and you can be an executive VP and, and you're doing it and you've, and you're married and you've got two young girls and you had that little break where you were home and and you were doing the mommy thing. So things are possible. It's all in how we look at it. And I think that's one of the things that COVID has given us is that foundation to just sit back, take a breath, pause and go, okay, everything's going to be okay. And we're all going back to the roots of what we used to do. So my second question, Stephanie, is a question that's always going to have permanent residency on the podcast. Share with us what imperfections you bring to both of your leadership roles. Mm, there's so many. Where do I start? Um, I think that, you know, the reality is that when I entered um, phase three and when I started as chief operating officer at Together We Stand, they were roles that I had not held before. I didn't come in with decades of experience understanding exactly what the role needed to look like exactly. I didn't even know what it was that I was really bringing to the table aside from the desire to learn, the desire to grow, and the desire to to do good and to um, improve the lives of others. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, understanding that my leadership skills are always evolving and that my knowledge is always growing and that I'm not the smartest person in the room. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want others. I want to be a sponge and I want to continuously be learning from others. I think that's what has allowed me to 
um, have success in the roles that I've had. And I think what's so important is that when you are leading organizations, it it really doesn't matter if you've had 30 years of experience or, or one or two, is admitting when you don't know and not being afraid to look silly, not being afraid to ask questions constantly. Um, I make a career right now out of saying, I don't know the answer to that. Could you explain it to me? Or doing research on the back end or saying, I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find out. I think if you're constantly willing to say, I will try, I will do, I will do the best that I can. And when you make mistakes and, and inevitably fail, sometimes admitting to that and saying, I didn't, I didn't know, but I will do better. I think that's that's what has allowed me to really bring my true self to the role and be successful in the, in the two roles that I have. Well, and I, I think that is the depth and the breadth of authenticity and leaders. Sometimes there's that insinuation or even misperception. I think that people have of leaders that they know everything about everything because they're at the top and they have the executive title and stature. So Thank you for, again, reiterating, you know, you're, you are an open book. I know you're a vivid reader. I know you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. And I also know that you allude that there is no job beneath you. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that especially when, you know, we are a startup organization, when it comes to Together We Stand, we're only four years young and um, we've been delving into new areas that we've not yet explored I think that you have to be prepared to do everything. It, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I can go into my day can be unbelievable. I can be packing boxes and shipping them to areas in the country at this on, at, on the same day that I will have just spoken with the office of the chief of the defense staff. And I think that if you show individuals around you that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, that you are prepared to do anything that it takes all the time, anytime, then people ultimately have a different kind of respect for you and and they buy into the organization in a different way. They are as committed to the organization as you are because they see that there's no ego at play. Everyone plays an equal role. Everyone brings tremendous value to the table. And I think they also see that if if our leaders are prepared to do um, all, all types of work, right from the bottom all the way to the top, I can do that too. I think it it helps in their growth because they see that working at all levels and get, getting your hands dirty in all areas of the business is the best way to learn, is the best way to grow, and is the best way to figure out where you want to take the organization next. So it, it, we have tremendous buy-in with all of our volunteers and all of our staff members because it really does feel like we're taking we're taking a collective team approach to everything. Well, I love that. And it it leads really, really nicely into my next question. I think a lot of the female leaders are really going to embrace and really hear this next question. I'm so happy that you've leaned in and shared your heart and vulnerability. Now, you talk about three words that come to your mind when you think of leadership, and that's compassion and purpose and vulnerability. I also know that phase three prides themselves on having a human-centered philosophy, which makes my heart and smile from ear to ear. And I also know that after the birth of your first daughter, you really struggled with postpartum depression. 
And at first you didn't know what it was, but I love that you took and embraced compassion, purpose, vulnerability, and you created a wonderful blog to journey your story that has helped so many. So can you bring us back to that space and time where where you thought, I'm going to write this blog and I'm just going to put it out there and tell us a little bit of that journey and where you really felt your leadership was fostered within the words within that blog. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough time. Um, I had my daughter relatively young. Um, I was open to the idea that mental health is something critical that we should all take care of the same way that we see a physical doctor. I believe we should see a doctor when it comes to our emotional and and mental well-being. but never in a million years would it have occurred to me that I would have um, developed postpartum depression. And it made my first year of being a mom really difficult because I didn't have a name for how I was feeling. I was feeling sad all the time. I was feeling isolated and lonely. Um, I felt like I was a terrible mother. And ultimately, there was just a, a, a dark cloud over me in everything that I did. And you know, both my husband and I, at a certain point, recognized this isn't me, that there's something else at play here. And I was lucky enough to get the diagnosis of having postpartum depression. And when I say lucky enough, I really do mean that. Number one, I feel so lucky that someone was able to work with me and identify what the issue is. Because to me, labels don't matter. Um, I'll tell you, you know, in full transparency, uh, years later, when I had my second daughter, I was diagnosed with bipolar two as well. And I think there's there's such a taboo on putting labels to something. And to me, it made me stronger because to me, it made me understand here's the problem. And now we have solutions that we can work towards, whether it be medications, whether it be therapy. And I think how it's helped me be in in my job is understanding that I was so lucky because when I was diagnosed both with postpartum depression and with bipolar two, my husband, my parents, my friends, my colleagues, because I was so open about it, they were my number one support system. They helped me get through the darkest periods of my life. And because of that, I was able to get back on my feet, get back to work, get back to parenting, get back to living so much quicker. And it just drove home that when we work in an organization, we have to be human-centered first. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if we take care of the person they will take care of the work. If they see that we are invested in them as an individual, whether they're having financial problems at home, whether they're having marital problems at home, whether or not they're having issues with their children, issues with their mental health, if we invest in them and let them have a safe space to go through what we all go through, but they can talk about it, they can be open about it, it it returns the work in terms of the quality and the quantity of the work you know, 10 times over because they just bring that much more drive to the organization when they see that their employer is so invested in them as a human being. I, I'm just sitting here smiling. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to let her take over the podcast. Mm-hmm. That is that is the reason I started this podcast. But there's so much more meaning in what you just said, because I believe when you are a heart-centered leader, when you model self-care, and lean in with transparency and vulnerability to show that, yes, I may have the title of executive VP, but at the end of the day, 
I'm human too. And here, here's the areas where I'm having a hard time. And I just think there's power in that, Stephanie. I, I agree. And I think that, you know, what's interesting is I think we're all inherently afraid to admit our weaknesses or admit that, you know, when, when we're having a difficult time and there's this, this terrible stigma um, around the idea of being vulnerable. We always have to prove that we're the best. We always have to prove that we're the smartest. We don't want to look stupid in front of people. That's our greatest fear is looking stupid in a room full of our peers. And Deb, I think that, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, when leaders of an organization can demonstrate vulnerability and can demonstrate that they themselves are not perfect, um, it allows for a safer space for staff members to bring true authenticity to the table. When a leader of an organization can say things like, I don't know the answer to that, or I'm not sure, or you know what, guys, I'm having a really hard time right now. I'm really struggling in my life right now. Then it allows the team to feel safe to do the same thing. And ultimately, I think at the end of the day, when your team feels safe and your team feels that there's a safe space to be vulnerable in, it brings so much more creativity and innovation to the table from a work perspective. Because our greatest fear at the end of the day is to look I think, I think it's, it's to look stupid in, in a room full of your peers. And so often we're muted and, and we don't want to bring our ideas to the table. And it could be that idea is a game changer to the organization. It's happened in our organization so many times where individuals throw out a statement and an entire program has now evolved around that. So I think that if you don't allow for vulnerability and authenticity within an organization, you lose a tremendous amount of that creativity and innovation that your staff members could be bringing to the table. Oh, 100%. And, you know, with COVID, I'm going to say now more than ever, companies are auditing, really revisiting their culture, the health of their culture, the vitality of their culture. And that foundation is exactly how you just beautifully and eloquently framed it, safe and welcoming. There's space to be silly. There's space to speak your truth and not be fearful of repercussions. And I think that's such an important and impactful statement. Now, my last leadership question is, what would be the easiest way for a young leader to create impact and do it without fear? I think ultimately at the end of the day, you need to have confidence in yourself. We so often forget to be kind to ourselves. We show compassion for others. We show empathy for others, but we forget that we really need to have patience with ourselves and we need to be kind. And in that, we need to say where we are enough. I've been reading a lot of Brene Brown lately um, who talks about vulnerability and, and she just has this tremendous outlook on life, on, on self-love and, and self-doubt and, and trying to eliminate the voices in our head that we're not enough. I think in order to have impact, you need to believe that you can. You need to believe that your small contributions can actually be quite large. Your ideas can actually lead to change. And so often we think, I'm just one person, what can I possibly do? But if you come to the table and you are committed, you're committed to doing good, you're committed to learning, you're committed to forgiveness, you're you're committed to self-forgiveness, 
then I think the impact that you can have is tremendous because what it ultimately leads to is saying yes to everything. You know, my, my, my biggest, my biggest uh, pet peeve is when people say no full stop. I, I, you know, I believe in no, but, you know, we may not be able to approach it in, uh, with plan A, we may not be able to approach it with plan B, but there is an entire alphabet out there that we can explore C through Z. And until you've explored all of that, there's still so much room for you to take your ideas forward. If you believe in something fully, then don't stop at plan A. Don't stop at plan B. Keep going. Well, I love that. And I love the the quote from Mickey Mouse that says to laugh at yourself is to love yourself. Yes. And loving yourself is all about self-care. And the only way you get self-care is from the, the foundation of self-acceptance. So I love the way you frame that. All right. I'm switching to my fast fab four going to ask you four questions and we want to know what's on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. I'm nervous, but I'm ready. Okay. Tell us something we don't know about Stephanie Shapiro. Oh, um, what you don't know about me, uh, 18 months ago, I did not look like the person that I am today. I was probably a lot more fearful than I was. I was probably not as willing to be as vulnerable as I am today. Um, and it was through several individuals in my life that have pushed me, that have made me feel like I have a safety net to fail. And now I am an open book and pretty fearless. I would say, I say yes to everything in my life at this point. If you said, do you want to go skydiving? I'd probably be on the next plane out there with you. So 18 months ago, I did not look like this person. Well, and that's why I'm glad you're on this podcast. Thank you for saying yes. Perfect person for this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Second question. Please finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? So much of what we talked about today. I think heart-centered leadership is compassion and vulnerability. Um, If you can't be compassionate and you can't be vulnerable, then you can't expect the same from the rest of your team. And without that, there is no heart-centered leadership. Oh, we're just going to put a period right there. I love that. Okay. Third question. Share with us a book that you've recently read or one that you want to read. Share with us the title and the author and why you read it and what you can share from it. Mm, That's a good question. I am an avid reader and I just finished, actually funny enough, um, I read a book about uh, World War II and the Holocaust. And for the life of me, I can't think of what it's called. Um, but ultimately what it shows is it was about, uh, righteous individuals that were not afraid to stand up to what was wrong in the world and put their lives at stake to protect the vulnerable individuals that were being persecuted because of, um, their religion. And I think that it just shows, you know, that even in times of evil, even in times of great darkness, There is always light because there are always those who are willing to stand up for good, no matter what the consequences are. And I think that in this day and age, when we see um, such political turmoil across the globe, when we're in the middle of a, a global pandemic, when there's such polarization in terms of 
all of our ideas these days, it's really easy to get caught up in the darkness of it all and um, in the anger of it all. And we have to remember that we ourselves have to be that light. We have to stand up for the good. We have to bring kindness to the table um, because that's, that's where the greatest impacts are. I love that. And, you know, interesting to hear that choice of book, yet heart-centered leadership has been around for many, many years. And I think COVID has helped bring it to the forefront in so many ways. And I love the way you just answered that question. And it just shows history does repeat itself, but maybe now it's time for this to be a constant. Mm -hmm. Last question. What is one thing you would like our listeners to remember about you? Oh, I think about me personally, I hate talking about myself personally, but I I think to know that, you know, I haven't had it easy. I have been extremely blessed. I have amazing parents. I have an, an incredibly supportive, kind husband who is a much better human being than I'll be any day of the week, but I have faced adversity. It hasn't always been easy. And you know, especially when my, with my mental health, especially, you know, while, while things were undiagnosed on, on both occasions, I was waiting for diagnoses and experimenting with all the medications and going through the side effects and felt like there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think for those of you who feel like there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel and feel like they're sitting sort of at the bottom in a bit of a hole, remembering to keep going. There's this um, project out there when it comes to mental health, it's called the semicolon project, and it represents punctuation within the sentence. And when you put a period at the end of the sentence, it's done. it's, It's the final statement. But when you put a semicolon, you pause for a minute and then you keep going. And I think that's what you need to do when there's adversity in your life. You need to take a breath. You need to pause and acknowledge that you're going through a particularly tough period of time, but then you must keep going. That is the only option. And that's the only way you're ever going to overcome and find a light. Well, that's beautiful. And I'm just so grateful that our paths have crossed. And I want to thank you for your time and sharing your expertise, but for mostly sharing your heart and your authenticity as a leader, as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, in all that you do. It meant a lot to have you on the show today. Deb, thanks so much. This was uh, this was a tremendous honor to be here with you. I know you've interviewed a, an enormous amount of individuals at this point, and it was a lot of fun. So thanks so much for taking the time with me today. We will put all of uh, Stephanie's information below in the podcast episode description. And thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, Deb. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.